usually when I preach, I'm excited about what I'm going to preach about. I can't wait. For 43 years, I've always been excited about what I'm going to preach. Can't wait to share it. And I hate this morning. My flesh has rebelled. And as I said on Facebook, I didn't announce what the title is, but I said, if none of you need it or anybody on Facebook needs it, welcome to come and hear me preach to myself. Because I need this. I don't want it. It's kind of like castor oil with a little paragoric in it to me. It's going to be, it's going to be awful. It's all. It's going to be. It's going to be awful. The your, the flesh is going to resist. We may even have to have an upholsterer come in and fix some of the tears in the seats as your fannies draw up three or four times during this message and just rip the rip the upholstery right out from under you. Uh, but I'm going to do my best not to look at anybody too long while I'm preaching. But I want you to know that. I believe this is the message God has laid on my heart, and it would have been much easier to preach something else. It would have been much more fun to preach something else that would make y'all go out and say, Pastor, I enjoyed that. I don't think any of us are going to say that this morning, so don't even lie. If you want to scowl at me and roll your eyes as you go out, that'll be fine. But today, we're going to look at the sin the church celebrates. The sin the church celebrates. I'll just go ahead and say it. We're going to talk about gluttony. Told you I needed it. Now, wait a minute first, first, first. We're not talking about obesity. So don't get mad at me if you're obese. There's many reasons for obesity. Just as you can be guilty of the sin of loving money if you're as broke as a convict, you can be guilty of the sin of gluttony if you're as skinny as Twiggy and Pee Wee Herman. You don't have to be fat to be guilty of gluttony. The love of money don't make you rich. You can still love it if you ain't got a dime, right? And you can love food and live for food even if you don't have 1% body fat on your body. So today we're not talking about obesity. We're talking about gluttony. Now the word gluttony literally means to gulp down. Having a craving for food that conquers you. Now why do I say that this is the sin that the church celebrates? It's because many believers would never consider sitting down to the table and having a glass of wine. But we regularly sit down at the table and gorge ourselves with food. As I said, you don't have to be rich to love money and you don't have to be fat to love food. Between the ages of 20 and 50, the average person, now this is not your whole lifetime, this is between the ages of 20 and 50, the average person spends 800 days eating. That's nearly three years. Diet books are the number two seller behind what book? Boy, is that ironic? 
The number one cause of death in America is what? It's not alcohol and it's not smoking. The number one cause of death in America is coronary heart disease brought on by hardening of the arteries and artery blockages due to our unhealthy eating habits. Sugar is responsible for three times more deaths in America every year than cigarettes are. This year, five million people will die from smoking cigarettes. Seventeen million will die from sugar-related illnesses. But boy, ain't it good. This morning we're going to ask three questions and hopefully answer them. What does the Bible say about gluttony? What really is gluttony? And what is the remedy for gluttony? What does the Bible say about gluttony? I hope you brought your Bible today. If you'll first of all look at me, we're going to see what the Bible says about gluttony in Proverbs 23, 2. We're going to look at several scriptures today, so I hope you got your Bible out. Turn it on or open it up. Whichever one you've got to do. Proverbs 23, 2. I realize this message may not be for everybody, but if it's for you, then let's mean you go out and eat sometime. <laughs> Matthew twenty three two. And put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. Well, let's, don't candy coat it there, writer of Proverbs. Let's just throw it right and put a knife to your throat. The message says this. Don't gobble your food and don't stuff yourself. Bridle your appetite. Proverbs 23, 20 to 21. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. This isn't in my notes, but I've got to say it. Have you ever added up how much money you spend a month eating out? That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move right along. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 7. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his Father. It's a shame. Then turn to Ezekiel, and I hope you've got your seat belt fastened because I'm about to shake you right out of your seat. If you would turn to Ezekiel, please, please, please hear this. Ezekiel 16. Notice I'm talking about the sin the church celebrates. Ezekiel 16, and I want to read verses 48 to 50. How many of you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? All right. Everybody got it? I want you to see this in your Bible. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Listen, we're about to see 
why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. This, this, he says, this was the iniquity. Okay? Everybody understand we're about to see the reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? This is the reason. She and her daughter had pride. Any of that in the church? Fullness of food. Abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty. Are those five first five things found in the church anywhere? And committed abomination before me. Now that committed the abomination is homosexuality, homosexuality and the sodomy. But notice something. God mentions five other sins before He ever gets to homosexuality. And the church, listen, the church is full of five out of these six sins. But what does the church do? We are great at pointing our finger at the homosexuality and judging them, but realize that we will not even, we will not even call for judgment in the house of God for these other five things. It's quiet. Aren't we good at pointing our finger at the homosexual over a meal and talk about how awful the homosexual is as we eat off of the all-you-can-eat buffet Chinese bar? You know, I always see fat preachers condemning homosexuals, but I ain't seen the first homosexual condemn a fat preacher. I'm just telling it. Luke twelve twenty three. Thank God. Let's move on. Luke twelve twenty three. Everybody still here? Life is more. This is written in red, so you know who said it. Luke twelve twenty three. Life is more than food. Life is more than food. Can we say that? Life is more than food. But you know where some of us find ourselves today? We do not live to eat. What do we do? No, we don't eat to live. Excuse me. We don't eat to... Y'all will say anything. <laughs> we do not eat to live. What do we do? We live to eat. We don't eat to live. We, we live to eat. Life is more than food. Well, you can't convince some of us of that. Every activity in life revolves around food. We can't even have a meeting without food. And guess what? Say you're going to have a prayer meeting. Ain't nobody going to come. You may as well just sit out there in the car and pray by yourself. But say we're going to have a covered dish supper. Those people that ain't been to church in years will come. It brings them out like, like, yeah. Like what she said. Philippians 3. Turn to Philippians. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Now this doesn't cut in us any slack. Listen to this. Philippians 3, 18 to 19. No commentary needed on this. Philippians 3, 
18 to 19. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, I, I would never want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. Have you ever thought about your belly being your God? Whose God is their belly. An enemy of the cross of Christ. A shame, an earthly thing. And then turn to me to the last scripture we'll look at as far as what the Bible says about gluttony. To Titus. Go behind Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and then Titus. Titus chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 5, Titus 5. Paul tells, Tim, tells Titus, this is the reason I left you in Crete. I left you in Crete. What did I leave you in Crete for? That you could set in order things that are lacking. Folks, there are, li- there are things lacking in our body. There are things lacking in our lives. There's things lacking in our churches. And he tells him, he says, go to Crete. I left you there to set things in order. And he goes on in verses 12 and 13. He says, I left you in Crete. But then he talks about what the, what the Cretans do. Look at Titus 1.12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Have you ever realized that the fuller your belly gets, the heavier your eyelids get? You don't gorge and then go out and work in the yard. No, gorging is the reward for working in the yard. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Right? I deserved it. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may may be sound in the faith. Paul left Titus in Crete to teach the Cretans that they could only be sound in faith when they quit being lazy gluttons. Boy, that's spiritual. I bet that packed the house. Put that on the marquee. Now, that's what the Bible says about gluttony. Question number two is, not only what does the Bible say, but number two, what really is gluttony? Well, we, we read in Philippians three eighteen to 19 that first of all, gluttony is really idolatry. Idolatry. There's no other gods before me. Oh, I, Jesus, it's only you. You only I serve. We lie. Whose God is their stomach? Now, do the research. I'm talking about per capita here. I'm not talking about the amount, but I'm talking about per capita for the size of the location. Per capita, Spartanburg, South Carolina has more restaurants than just about any other city in America. Per capita. We're a little old rinky-dink town. But you know what? 
there are more temples built where we can worship our stomachs than there are churches built where we can worship our Savior. The restaurants are temples to the God we worship. Our stomach. All you can eat. Idolatry. What really is gluttony? Number two, it's an evidence of no self-control. Those of us, and I said us, not you, those of us who struggle with gluttony usually have other areas where self-control is a major problem. It might be anger. It might be prejudice. It might be judgmentalism. It might be another addiction that is on the coattail of the gluttony, or it might be lust. But most of the time, if we cannot control our stomach and our gluttony, there's other areas out of whack. As I was studying this, and I didn't throw this in here, but I'll, I'll, I, I, I will throw it out here now. You know, we, we preached several weeks ago about the tongue, James, about controlling the tongue. Well, guess what? If you didn't have a tongue, eating wouldn't be near as much fun. You couldn't taste nothing. But doesn't the Bible say if you don't control your tongue, your whole body's out of whack? Could that apply to my taste buds as well as my talker? I believe it could. An evidence of no self-control. Galatians 5, 23-25 says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If we're born again Christians, Spirit-filled Christians, we ought to have the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those, one of those fruit is self-control. Thirdly, gluttony is an attempt at medicating our issues. Jesus said, I will send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, and He'll be with you always. I'm going to send you a comforter. But today we say, God, we don't need the Holy Spirit. We've got a pseudo-Holy Spirit. We've got a fake comforter. It's called food. You ever heard of comfort food? All of us have it. I can tell you what mine is, but I'm not, because you ain't going to tell me what yours is. Comfort food. Pseudo-Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Food is our number one medication to fight depression. You get depressed, what do you do? Eat. You see, when you eat, especially good stuff, like donuts, and chocolate cake, and ice cream, and Keebler's fudge stripe cookies with Jif extra crunchy peanut butter and a glass of milk. <laughs> There's chemicals in our bodies called endorphins and there are also uh, serotonin and other feel-good chemicals. It gets us high. It does. Well, I'm not depressed. I've never been depressed while eating a fudge striped cookie with peanut butter on it. I've never been depressed at that moment. We eat to medicate our depression. We also eat to medicate our boredom. How many times have you got up out of your chair and gone to the altar of the Frigidaire and stared at it? With the door open. You may as well be doing this. 
And you ain't even hungry. You're bored. I'm going to tell you, it works. I've never been bored while eating. So, what are we saying? It's idolatry. Number one. Number two, it's an evidence of no self-control. Number three, an attempt of medicating our issues. Number four, it's a symptom of our busyness. A symptom of our busyness. Many Christians are so busy that they have become sleep-deprived. Now, God created our bodies that when we sleep, it restores our energy. But guess what? If we're so busy, we're not going to get but three hours of sleep tonight. What are we going to do? We're going to make up for it by eating eight hours in the morning and tomorrow to restore and to regain our energy. We try to make up and resort to finding uh, to food to make up for the energy that we didn't get that we should have gotten sleeping. Number five, gluttony. And don't y'all just hate this message? I told you you would. Gluttony is an addiction and a master. Gluttony is an addiction and a master. If you're familiar with addictions, whether it would be a drug addiction, a tobacco addiction, an alcohol addiction, or any other kind of addiction, you realize that an addiction carries with it a tolerance factor, which means that your body begins to build up a tolerance of the substance, whether it be food or whatever. Your body builds up a, a, a tolerance level so that it requires more of the substance today to satisfy you than it did yesterday. It requires more tomorrow than it did today because your body builds up that tolerance and you don't get that feeling because of the tolerance factor. So it requires more tomorrow than it did today. Everybody with me there? The tolerance factor actually becomes your master and dictates your eating habits by controlling you. It controls what you eat, why you eat, and when you eat. One helping becomes two. Two donuts become a dozen. I once had a pastor friend. <laughs> He's in glory now, so I guess he knows better. I had a pastor friend who would sit down in one sitting and eat a dozen donuts at one time. No one sat in front of him because if one of his buttons popped, he'd put your eye out. <laughs> he looked like he was about to explode. Really. I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you I'm making a point here. He was always harping, and he was country as... Man, I, I sound like Alexander Scorby according to, compared to this dude. 
He was county. You that are watching from all over the place on Facebook, especially my Michigan friends, you think I'm country? This guy, he always fought alcohol demons. Everybody had an alcohol demon. An alcohol. That sounds bad, don't alcohol. And backer demons. Alcohol and backer demons. He specialized in casting out alcohol and backer demons. But he never did get around to casting out that Krispy Kreme spirit <laughs> out of himself. He could get rid of your alcohol demons and your backer demons, but he never did get rid of his donut demons. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to. There was a popular lady evangelist on TV, and she was giving this testimony. And she said she was in this meeting and said it was just as dry and dead and said nothing was happening. nothing, Nobody was responding to nothing. I mean, we had major revival this morning, Brother Chris, compared to what she'd had about five days into this big meeting. Oh, lots of people were there, but nobody was responding. It was just as dry as Melbourne's. It was just dead. And she said, God, if something don't happen, Tonight, I am not coming back. I'm closing this meeting out. So she gave the altar call, and she just happened to be ministering on deliverance. And said, come bouncing down. And I, I have a hard time with this because I knew a guy that looked just like the guy I'm about to describe to you. And I think of him every time. because, And some of you may have known him, but I'm not going to mention any names. Come bouncing down the aisle... A guy shaped like a Hershey kiss that had a, a high voice and said, and, and when she said, what do you need prayer for? He said, I have a spirit of gluttony. She said, Okay. She said, I laid hands on him and started casting that thing out. And in the back of her mind was that she done told God if something didn't happen tonight, she's leaving tomorrow. So he said, I have a spirit of gluttony. And she said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of gluttony. Come out in the name of Jesus. Said a voice come out of him and said, for a cookie I will. Now that's addicted. That is a spirit. <laughs> that's a foul spirit. You see, we justify our gluttony because we do have to have food to live. We don't have to have meth. We don't have to have wine. We don't have to have a pipe. Well... Some of us have to have one. Uh, we, but we've got to have food. We've got to have food. So here's what we do. We justify our going three trips to the buffet bar because, well, you've got to eat. My mama told me when I was on this 21-day water-only fast, you know, she was really supportive. You're going to die. You're going to die, son. I said, Mama, I'm fasting. 
God didn't mean for you not to eat. She didn't read Matthew 6, I don't think. But anyway, she was real supportive. You're going to die if you don't eat. And I was looking like, I felt like I was going to die. I'd have to agree with that. But you do have to eat. And because we do have to eat, this tolerance addiction factor changes our motivation and our desires from eating to live to living to eat and excusing it with, well, you got to eat. But you got to stop sometime. Right? Now, what does the Bible say? What really is gluttony? Let's close with this. What is the remedy for gluttony? What is the remedy for gluttony? First of all, you must, number one, rehearse moderation. You don't just quit eating. Come on, y'all. Somebody say amen. That's the best time you're going to get to say amen right there. Hmm? Rehearse moderation. Proverbs 25, 16. Rehearse moderation. What is moderation? It's one donut, not twelve. Right? Proverbs 25, 16. Have you found, honey... Eat only as much as you need. That's moderation. Only as much as you need. Lest you be filled with it and vomit. Now, I ain't never vomited, honey. But if it's worse coming out as it is going in, that ain't no pleasurable experience. Especially if it goes through the nasal passages. That would be a freaky ride. So that's one good reason not to overeat honey, y'all. I know you just couldn't wait to get home and turn that honey jar up and just drink it all. I know. Here's what the message says. I like this. I can relate to this. This is the message rendering of, of Proverbs 25, 16. When you're given a box of candy, don't gulp it all down. Eat too much chocolate and you'll make yourself sick. I ain't never made myself sick by eating too much. I've tried. <laughs> but, 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 but it sort of says, rehearse moderation. Rehearse moderation. When you are satisfied, I ain't never been satisfied. That's why I eat all the time. I ain't never been satisfied. But when you're satisfied, stop. Drink a glass, drink two gallons of water before you eat and you won't eat as much. <laughs> drink a lot of water while you eat. Drink a, drink a glass before you eat. But when you get satisfied, stop. Don't wait till you don't wait till it starts tickling your larynx. You feel like you're about to throw up. I believe I can do one more spoonful. What's the remedy for gluttony? Number one, rehearse moderation. Number two, remember. Who your true master is. Remember who your true master is. I want to show you something I had never seen until this week. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'd never seen this. 
First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve and thirteen. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve and thirteen. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. What he's saying is, I can do anything, but not all of it's necessary. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Watch this. I will not be brought under the power of any. Watch this. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality. What? You're talking about biscuits and now you're talking about sex. They don't go together. I reckon. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I never noticed that He lumps food and sex into one Problem category. Well, what's two of the biggest things people worship in America? Food and sex. You ever watched a Hardy's commercial? They'll sell you sex and food while you're taking a bite of your three-pound porno burger. Nineteen and twenty. Quit laughing, Audra. You old evil-minded, dirty-minded woman. (laughs) (laughs) Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, here's a little test. When you go to Krispy Kreme, and, you, and you're at that counter, and you're ready to say, what you want, what may I get you? Before you tell them anything, ask your master God, God, do we want twelve or one? And order what he tells you to get. He might say, get out of here and go eat some broccoli. (laughs) Our bodies are not our own. To do with just whatever we want to do. They belong to God. We've been bought with a price. So remember who your true master is. When when you want to worship at the at the at the altar of the Frigidaire and pay homage to to your 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 uh, your little G God called belly or stomach, remember who is your true master. Glorify God in your body. Listen, if 17 million of us are going to die this year because of bad eating habits, what are you going to do for God when we put you in the hole? It don't matter how gifted you are. If we bury you, your gift is done. And how many in the church 
are, are we putting in the ground prematurely simply because they're not, they're not killing themselves with a bottle or with a cigarette or with a hypodermic needle. They're using something legal. A fork. The fork is the weapon of choice for suicide in the body of Christ. But the church don't say anything about it because we've got fat preachers. That's why I didn't want to say anything about it. <laughs> Rehearse moderation. Remember who your true master is. And thirdly, and you really, your flesh is really going to like this. We don't say a whole lot about this. Regularly fast. Regularly fast. Look with me at Matthew 6. I want to show you something that you need to see. Oh, but fasting is just for them Buddhists. Didn't do Buddha no good. Look at him. <laughs> oh, this Hindus. Right? What kind of crazy religion? You, you tell somebody you're fasting, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Or if you go out and they say, well, would you eat? You want to eat? Let me take you. Well, no, I'm fasting today. What do you do? Fasting? What do you mean? I mean, I'm fasting. What's that? No eating. Y'all's church teach that? No, but the Bible does. Let me show you. Matthew 6. Written in red. What's that mean? That means we might want to take heed. Matthew 6, 3. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to show up and make a point. Matthew, Matthew 6, 3. But when you do a charitable deed, or when you give, drop down to 5. When you pray, look over to 16. When you fast, uh-oh. Notice it didn't say if you fast. If your church teaches fasting, if you're real spiritual and you really believe in fasting and everybody else in your family is a heathen because they don't fast. Or you go to a crazy church that teaches fasting. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He didn't say, if you give, if you pray. We all know that God expects us to give and pray, right? We don't say, if you give. If No, it's when you give, when you pray. Why do we say if you fast? He didn't. He said when you pray, when you give, when you fast. What are you saying? I'm saying fasting should be just as much a normal discipline in the Christian's life as giving and praying is. But it's not. Because that's not the worship that our God demands. Because it's not comfortable. Comfortable. Look at one last scripture. First Corinthians nine. Pastor, how do I fast? Don't eat. <laughs> That's the nutshell series. First Corinthians nine twenty seven. Paul said, but I discipline my body. 
Now, some of us take this Scripture. What does the King James say? We think it says, I buffet my body. Same spelling, different word. B-U-F-F-E-T. Praise God, I love the King James. I buffet my body. Every Sunday after church, I buffet my body. <laughs> Buffet. Literally, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Not fit for service, is what he's saying. Fasting, this will accomplish fasting. Fasting, or, or fasting will accomplish bringing your body under subjection. Fasting will accomplish that. Let me close with this. We've entitled this message, The Sin the Church Celebrates. Church, no sin should be tolerated in the church, much less celebrated. Are y'all still here with me? Are y'all still here today? (laughs) No sin should be tolerated and no sin should be celebrated. And, And brothers and sisters, I know that we as upstanding Christians look at those out there in this old hell-bound world for all the evil they're doing. And all the bad stuff they're into. And we can point our finger and give them all the answers of why they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. How their sin is so bad. But let me ask you something. Has God given any one of us the liberty to pick and choose which sin we expose and which sin we can embrace? You know, my sin always looks worse to me when you're doing it than when I'm doing it. Because, see, I judge you by your actions. I judge me by my intentions. Well, my heart's right. Oh, God, our heart's deceived. Who can know it? It's wicked. It's too often... That the sins that the church preaches against are the sins that we don't feel like we're guilty of. That's why I, I challenge you to go find a message that is entirely given to this topic today. Oh, somebody may mention it here and there, but they're going to get off of it real quick because they bring themselves under conviction preaching it. Like I'm doing. But isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it common that we preach against the sins that we're not guilty of? Oh, it's easy for me to preach against homosexuality. I'm a lesbian trapped in a man's body. Some of y'all will get that about four o'clock today. It's easy for me to preach about the, 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 the evil of, of pornography or the evil of, of drug addiction. But this is the first time I've ever attempted to dissect the Word of God on something that I struggle with. 
Because it's my sin. When we discover that we indeed are guilty, let me ask you this. Because some of you are in the same boat with Pastor this morning. This, this message is hitting home with you. When we, when we dis- discover that we are guilty, are we ready to crusade against our sin with the same zeal and fervor that we're ready to, crus- to crusade against everybody else's? We almost get angry at the homosexuals. We almost get angry at the drunkard. We almost get angry at the drug addict. We almost get angry at the porn addict. We almost get angry at them. As if we have a right because we're better than they are. Isn't that what we think? Because it's not my sin and your sin's a lot worse than my sin. Churches is about like saying, when I just told a little white lie, uh, I told a half-truth. The front of it was not quite so, but the last time I tied it all up with a truth. A half-truth is a whole lie, y'all. And a white lie is a black lie, and a little sin is a whole sin. And sin is sin, and it will eat up and kill any part of your life it touches. The wages of sin is death. He didn't say which sin. So are we ready to crusade against our sin? Are we ready to get mad at ourselves enough to stop it? You ever said to the sinner, oh, I just love to choke them. I can't believe they're doing that to those children. Well, when's the last time you said, I can't wait to choke you, and I need to, so you can't swallow food? When's the last time you've been angry at yourself to the point of saying, enough is enough. I'm not going to be one of those 17 million put in the ground early and leave everybody I love because I could not control a fork in my hand. I've got too much to do on this earth to let donuts send me into glory. Somebody needs me. When are we going to say that? Let's not celebrate it in the church. Let's eradicate it. Let's eradicate it. i tell you what we could do. We could do something that would get people all over Pauline talking. You know how churches like to advertise covered dish supper? Why don't we have an empty dish supper? Bring your empty dish, whatever you want to bring. Put it on the table and sit down and just talk about Jesus to one another and how good He's been to us. Wouldn't that be... That that would just be the bird dog flying, wouldn't it? That'd be something. Our, Our monthly empty dish supper. I want you to stand.